0: I'm your host, Samaita Graver, and I want to welcome you to Truth, Salt, and Spice, the podcast where you will find conversations steeped in biblical truths, sprinkled with salt, and a dash of spice thrown in, you know, for good measure. Good
1: morning. Hello. (laughs) How are you? I'm good. I'm a little raspy today because of allergies. It is ragweed season here in Texas and everybody's, everybody's feeling it. So
0: yeah, I've heard that a
1: lot of people in Texas, I hear like the fall is really bad. You know, for me, the whole year is bad. And I never had allergies until I moved here. I grew up in Canada and Uh just never, never was an issue. But all of a sudden here, it's like crazy all year long for me. So does ragweed not grow up there or it's just less? I, I, don't, I, I don't know I, anything about ragweed. <laughs> I don't either. I just know that that's what's happening right now. And so my symptoms are different. <laughs> Ugh, gotcha. it's, it's not fun. Gotcha. Gotcha.
0: I'm sorry. People are probably going to be mad at me because I've been messing around with my, uh, my earbuds here. Oh. And usually I remember when I first started recording, um, uh, two years ago. I'm like, what is that noise? Cause it sounds like bracelets. And then I figured out that if you rub the microphone, it does this scratchy jingly thing. Oh yeah.
1: And uh, yeah. so, okay. I'm, I'm leaving my fingers away from the thing. I just, I just <sighs> picked up something to fidget with so that I don't play with the cord. <laughs> well, I was playing with the cord. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I need to stop this before people get mad at me.
0: Anywho. Oh my goodness gracious. Well, I am so excited because, you know, I've been asking you for a long time. Let mm-hmm. me know when you're ready to come on because mm-hmm. your story is such a story of God and redemption. And uh, I don't yeah. know. It's just so I'm really excited. Thank so you. How about you say um, just tell people what you want them to know about you? OK,
1: and then we'll dig in into your story. All right. Well, my name is Julie and I live in Fort Worth, Texas. I'm a single mom. I've got two boys, one who's turning 16 on Sunday. He is not. He is. Oh it's, my gosh. It's a problem. It's, it's a big problem. I don't know how I'm going to handle this. And he's so handsome. Oh. And you know, he's, he is the greatest kid. He's, he, I, oh People compliment me on him or compliment him to me all the time. They're like, he is, I've never seen him without a smile. He's such a great kid. And, and then Josiah too, he's, he's 12. So Salem is my oldest and Josiah is 12 and man, he's, he's funny. He's witty. He's they, I just have the best kids. I'm so thankful for them. Oh, so yeah. Such cutie patooties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I live in Texas and um, I have a golden retriever who hopefully will cooperate and not be noisy for this. Um, I work from home. I do two very um very monotonous jobs that are not super exciting but are God's absolute provision for our family. And I love Jesus a whole lot. Yay. <laughs> so okay. do
0: I. So we've been friends for what? I mean, we met on, we met on the internet.
1: Yes. <laughs> My, my, my best <laughs> but, friends
0: from the internet. Right. Um, it's been over five years, right? And, um, wow. so a lot has, uh, a lot of water has gone wow. under the bridge. Yeah. It's definitely
1: been I, longer than five years. Yeah. Wow. I
0: definitely wanted to talk about, uh, your most recent journey, um, from, um, near death. May I say?
1: Yes, you Thank may. You.
0: To healing. And, uh, so I'll just allow you to take it away and say what happened to you and um, just ask
1: questions as we go. Sounds good. So it all started in 2017. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I'm from Canada. Um, I grew up in Canada, like I said, and um, don't get to get up there very often because it's really expensive. Um, But my whole family is still in Canada. My mom had her... I think it was her 70th birthday in January of 2017, and so I got to go up there um, to celebrate that with her and my sister. And I went home, and about five days later, got a phone call that my mom had had a stroke. And so I was back in Canada within 24 hours and um, basically kind of living at the hospital, living between her house and the hospital, and my sister and I were... Um, kind of tag teaming nights and whatnot. And it was a really, really scary time. My mom is, is my ultimate best friend. She's the strongest believer that I know. And I owe, like, I, I, I totally give her all of the credit for raising me in such a way that Jesus was the only answer. Um, she was a, just a powerhouse exemplifying faith and trust in God. And, you know, even through this stroke, she was too, but it was a really, really scary time. And, um, we didn't know what was going to happen. Thankfully she survived and she, um, she's got some complications, but she does pretty well. And she's got an amazing support group in Canada, but that was really the beginning of, um, just a, a season of trauma for me. Um, because of her stroke and her inability to, she, she was a pastor. Um, she was retired, but she was also a public speaker and did stuff for her church. And she had been scheduled to speak for her church's women's retreat, uh, in, at the end of April. And so since she couldn't do that, cause her speech is really affected. Um, and she, you know, wasn't fully recovered and she was dealing with a lot of anxiety. There's just no way she could do it. So they asked me to come and do it. And the theme of the weekend was brave. And so I was honored and excited. I had felt like God had said speaking was something he wanted me to pursue. And I was like, okay, let's do it. So I went up to Canada and I spent a couple days up there and, um, you know, talked on bravery, talked about moments in the hospital with my mom where God met me in my brokenness. And when I, you know, I even told him, I was like, I, I went into the bathroom one time and, I was mad. Like We had just had a meeting with the doctors. My sister was kind of kind of going worst case scenario. Like, Should I get power of attorney taken care of and all this kind of stuff? It was just a scary moment and I lost it. I went into the bathroom and I sunk down onto the floor and I knew that Jesus was there. And I was like, I can't talk to you right now. I, I mm. don't want to hear from you. I, don't, I cannot talk to you right now. And he sat there. I mean, I just envisioned him sitting there beside me and he goes, that's okay. I'm just going to be here with you. And it was such a powerful moment. And so. Yeah, that's a beautiful picture. Yeah. And he's, he's just so good that way. So long story short, I, I shared that moment at the retreat. I talked about different aspects of bravery and, and, you know, whatever. Well, I had a hysterectomy scheduled like three days after I got home and I was like, i was so excited about it. I have wanted a hysterectomy for years. I know. <laughs> I remember those yeah, conversations. Yeah, because I had, some, I had some, some serious issues going on in that department. And I was like, I just really want a hysterectomy. I had had an ablation um, about a year and a half earlier. And um, that did the job for a while. And then things got really bad. And so a hysterectomy was the only thing that was left to do. And so I was super excited. But I was like, you know, this is – it's a big surgery. Um, and so – I'm just thankful that this is going to mark the end of my trauma. This is going to, this surgery from here on out, it's going to be smooth sailing. I'm so excited to get it over with. And so the leadership of the retreat that I spoke at sat down and prayed with me and prayed over the surgery and everything. And I was feeling good, went home, had the surgery, you know, was discharged. And I even have a picture of me leaving the hospital with a big thumbs up, like, yes, I'm free. I'm so excited. So that was on I was released on Thursday Um, or was it surgery was, I believe surgery was on Wednesday. I was released on Thursday and by Thursday night, I was in horrific pain. I had, I went to the bathroom at one point. I felt something, I felt something happen in my stomach. It was excruciating. Um, Mm -hmm. I was sick all night long. We doubled my My pain meds, per doctor instructions, I writhed all night long. My husband sat by the bedside and just sat there all night long watching me. I didn't sleep at all. I was in so much pain. Um, And then the pain meds eventually kicked in and just took the edge off. But I was still not good. And then the next morning, I was having a hard time breathing. And so I emailed my doctor. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. Here's what happened last night because he wasn't on call that night. Um, and I said, now I'm just having this pressure and I just, I feel like I can't breathe. And, you know, it sounded normal to him. And, and so, you know, he's like, just keep an eye on it. If it gets any worse, let me know. Um, and then, a short while later, he said, you know, if it does, if it gets any worse, you need to go to the ER and just have them check for a pulmonary embolism. And so within probably two hours, I had called my husband and I was like, we, we got to go to the ER. Something's not right. So we went and um, I will make that another long story short. Um, over the course of the next five days, uh, it was discovered that there had been some complications to my surgery. I was septic. Um, I had all kinds of infections. Um, they shipped me back to the hospital where I had the surgery at, which was about an hour away, um, because I wanted a specific doctor and, um, that was an hour away. And so I was in that hospital for a month. I had multiple surgeries, multiple infections. Um, I don't remember most of it. Um, I do remember the most traumatic times, which is sad, uh, at least at, I, well, I'll say at least for me, because I remember them, those are the most traumatic times. I honestly don't know if those were the most traumatic times. Um, and I'm thankful for that today, but, um, yeah, I was very sick. There were people involved who said people don't recover from this. Um, I think that at the time people were prepared for me to not survive, um it it was it was just a pretty awful experience Thankfully, God gave wisdom to um some specific doctors in the situation, and I had a life saving surgery um that was very excruciating um that's one of the waking up from that it was one of the most traumatic memories that I have. Um, cause I, w- I woke up and I was on life support so that they could give my lungs a break because my lungs were the issue at that point in time. Um, and I didn't know that they were going to wake me up. And I also had no idea that I was going to be tied to a bed. <laughs> and so I woke up and it was just like immediate panic attack and they're trying to communicate with me and I can't communicate cause there's a tube down my throat. Um, so, but anyways, that surgery ended up saving my life and immediately things started to get better. So, um, I was released, then, go ahead.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No, I'll, I'll f- finish that. And then I want to, I want to say something. Okay. So I was, mm-hmm. I was released from the hospital, um, almost exactly a month after I went in. I think it was a month, exactly a month. Yeah. Um, and this was over, like, I went in a couple of days before mother's day and got out in June and, um, I had no idea what, what the date was. And so I I remember talking to our mutual friend, JJ and like talking about Mm -hmm. the end of school. And, um, she, I, I actually, I don't remember this. She remembered this for me. And she said, I remember you sending me a message and talking about like, you know, getting your kids out of school and everything. And just being so sad because I was like, she has no idea what day it is. Like school's already out. The kids have it's summer. And, Mm. and when I went back and saw, like I, I opened up my phone and saw all these emails about the last day of school, I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed because we have a routine for the last day of school. We do stuff. We have, you know, traditions. And so it wasn't just like affecting me. It's affecting, obviously it's affecting my kids, but even just like, I was so sad that their last day of school was tainted by the fact that, you know, their mom is still in the hospital and we don't know when she's coming home. And, so anyways, I was released. Um, I had multiple surgeries following that to correct. So I had a colostomy bag after, um, I came out of the hospital. So I had that reversed and then I had, um, plastic surgery to fix what they <laughs> did to my stomach because it looked like a garbage disposal had gotten at it. Um, wow. yeah, it was awful. I mean, it, it looked like a monster had attacked me. Um, so I had that fixed. Um, and then I subsequently had, a, a uh, unrelated surgery with my shoulder, but anyway, so it took me over a year to recover from everything. Um, yeah. So that's my, that's my hospital story. Yeah. So I want to, I want to go
0: back to that because, um, I mean, we've met a couple of times in person and whatnot. And, and so it was definitely a connection, but I remember, um, uh, the post on Facebook, you know, updating people. And I just remember The um, there was this one picture that was posted of you, and you you did look like (laughs) I'm like, oh my gosh, she looks the one with the braids. maybe I don't know if you have braids or not. I saw that picture. (laughs) I was just like, oh my gosh, she looks like she's one foot in, one foot out. And even right now, you know, you're one of the few, probably, um, uh episode recordings that that is a lot more personal but I just remember just sitting there and wanting Mm -hmm. to cry maybe I did it I don't cry very Mm -hmm. easily and right now I'm feeling Mm -hmm. emotional but I remember thinking oh my gosh she looks like she's dying like it was horrible and I just part of me was kind of glad that you were in Texas and I didn't have to no I yeah I understand (laughs) I don't and I'm just like I can just be over here Um, And I remember, you know, the complications and, you know, your breathing and your lungs. And um, every time I would think of you, uh, I don't like contemporary uh, Christian music Mm -hmm. much um, as a way of worship. Uh, But you introduced that song. um, What is it called? Because all I think is your breath in my lungs, but it's called something else. Oh, (laughs) Crap. It's your breath. In my lungs. Anyway, I don't remember I'll the name of it the song. Up on phone. But every time and so every time like I hear that song now, it's just like it just takes me back yeah. to you. And I'm just like I would pray. I'm like, God, breathe, breathe mm. into her lungs. And um and it's just yeah, yeah it, it was it was horrible because I mean, other things, I guess you can kind of work through, um, when it comes to the body. I mean, you had to have that, you know, colostomy bag and there, there are other things that sometimes with our body we can circumvent and modern medicine helps mm-hmm. us get through, but without lungs, like mm-hmm. that's just yeah, essential, absolutely. you know? And, um, and so it, it was, I, I just can't even imagine like from me at a distance, I just was just like so heartbroken mm-hmm. and just like, wow, she went in for routine surgery and, you know, and, now she's just been in there forever. And mm-hmm. it was just hard. It was just very hard for me, even from over yeah. here. But, um, I I'm, I'm sharing that too, because I'm thinking of things that we can hold on to with hope with God and something as a simple song, you know, was comfort oh, for well, me and I,
1: through I your pain. It and it's, it's great. Are you Lord? Great. Great. Are you Lord by all sons and daughters? Yes. Great. Yeah. I knew it wasn't.
0: Yeah. I think, but I call it the birth of my lungs. <laughs> I love it. Because, again, <laughs> I don't follow uh, modern, yeah, whatever, uh, contemporary music too much. But uh, there are a couple of songs that I really enjoy. But in general, mm-hmm. it's not my jam. I'm it's more okay. of a hymn girl. But, um, yeah, so I was just kind of like, oh, my gosh. And every time I, I would think of you, I would think mm-hmm. of that song, um, you know, in that context. Um, and so, yeah, I, there was something. There was a connection because it was definitely something I was just like. I wanted to keep close and encourage you, yes. as, you know, as you healed and, and went on. But anywho, so as you're going through all this, you know, obviously you were not very conscious. You come
1: out, you didn't even know what the yeah. date was. I, knew, I didn't even know you all of the things that happened to me. <laughs> like for months afterwards, people would say, oh yeah. And then you had this procedure and I was like, really? And to this day, I don't know if I've had a blood transfusion. I feel like I did, but I don't know. <laughs> Isn't that weird? And mm-hmm. that's a question they ask you the doctors. Have you ever had a blood transfusion? I'm like, I'm I'm not sure. No. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um
0: so then let, let's bring in because through that time yeah. you were out of it. And you, you know, you don't remember even all the procedures that you, you had, unless you go back, right. I guess, through pages and pages and pages exactly. of medical records. Um, so you're standing
1: here and then there's yeah, you and God. Yeah. So what's going on there? So coming out of the hospital, I mean, my, my faith didn't waver. Um, I had questions. I had major, major questions. My, my, well, I should say my love for the Lord didn't waver. And actually I went in, in preparation for this conversation today, I went through and read some of my old posts on Facebook, um, And in one of them, I wrote like, my love for you has not wavered, but my trust is wounded and bruised. And I don't know, I don't Mm. understand why, why you've done this and, and, and whatnot. Um, And, you know, it is really, really true that God is close to the brokenhearted and that in our moments of trauma and pain and weakness, I think he's, it's not that he's more present. It's that. We are, we are at the end of our rope and we know that there's, there's nothing we can do. And the only hope that we have is to rely on him, even if we're doubting. And that's when he gets to do, he, he, I think it's, I hesitate to say that that's when he gets to do his best work, because that seems like probably not theologically sound, <laughs> but, but, but it's like, we're, we're easier to work with in that moment, you know, and, and Yeah. Yeah, And so, and you know, there's a reason why he's, he's close to us when we're brokenhearted and why um, we learn the most in those moments about him and his character, if we're pressing in. And so, I mean, I did a, I did a study on Job during that time because I was like, this is, this is my Job story. Like thinking about my mom, almost losing my mom who is my spiritual rock and then, you know, almost losing my own life. And Um, I was like, okay, I feel like this is a Job moment for me. And so I did a study on Job that was really good. And I can't remember all of it now, but it just, it just opened my eyes to understand God's love in a different way. Um, and he was, he was just so present and so gentle. Like I would ask my questions and he would be like, you know what? I, that's not, it's not important for you to know that right now. And you keep it like my big question was Why? And I just asked over and over and over Mm -hmm. again, why, 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 why? And finally he was like, I need you to put that aside so that I can do what I want to do in your heart, because I'm not going to answer that right now. And I was like, oh, uh, okay. It just made sense to me in the moment. So I was like, okay, I'm going to put a pin in why, and we're going to move on with other things. And he did eventually reveal to me why, um, and that's, that's personal, but, um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Excuse me. Um,
0: mm-hmm. Well, let's let's talk about this for a second because you know, as you, I'm observing. You know, right. from from a distance, I don't always. Um, I, I'm good at giving people space when when, I mean, not that you asked me for any space, but I, I can kind of read a, a room a bit and be like, okay, wh- you know, when to kind of come in and come out and mm-hmm. you know whatnot. Um, but. Uh, when you started using the hashtag, was it yes. Tales from My
1: Ash Heap, which was yes. Job? Talk about talk yeah. About so that, that and I, I was I was about <laughs> to that that's um, that came from the oh, Job okay. study um, because he was literally sitting in an ash heap, um, and so I that's I just resonated with that so much. Like I am I am sitting in a pile of ashes. Like I feel like my life is just disintegrated around me, um, and it 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 marked it marked a time in my life. And you know, that, that hashtag is, was what I used to go back and find these posts today. Um, and so it just, I just resonated so much with Job and on I mean, hashtags are awesome. I think hashtags are awesome. I know that you hate them. Um, <laughs> Cause, cause I know, I can't read them. I <laughs> you know, I it's funny I, every time I post like... one and I don't do capitals in between words, I think of you, <laughs> Like, Zemida's like, gonna hate me help for this. Me. Yeah. What word is this? It's not Spanish. I don't think it's English. Like, where does it end? Where does it start? Yeah. So it was, it and yes. it was also a projection of hope because the, these are the tales of my ash heap, but this isn't going to be forever. And you actually, I know that you you remember this. You were really instrumental in in speaking that hope over me with the the necklace that you sent me and the card. With and I can I can never remember where the little rocks are from. Where are they from? Haiti or Guatemala? Okay, no, Guatemala. Yeah, I mm can never remember. So, just, you know, for the listeners who aren't a part of our friendship, (laughs) Zamida sent (laughs) me a necklace that she had made for me that based on my um, ash heap story and hashtag, and it's this little circle that has some little um, they're volcanic rocks, right? or volcanic ash from Guatemala. And there's a little tiny crown in it as well. And she said, basically she said, I'm, I'm, I mean, you basically prophesied the day is coming when God is going to exchange your ashes for a crown. And so now when I talk about, if I have anything to say, like everything has been wrapped up with, with as far as medically and, and, um, legally and everything, all that has all been wrapped up. And so, um, I don't use the tales from my ash heap hashtag anymore, but if I have to refer to that story at all, um, I use the hashtag ashes for a crown, which was also something that I looked up today while I was, you know, researching my past. So,
0: yeah. Right. Um, and that comes from Isaiah 61 and I actually want to read it for anybody maybe Mm -hmm. needing these words. Isaiah 61 says, uh, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim, proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress Mm. instead of ashes the oil of gladness mm-hmm. instead of mourning, the garment of praise mm-hmm. instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that mm. he may be glorified. In another um, Bible, uh, what is it called? Yeah, it yeah. says uh, yeah. crown instead of headdress, which, um, you know, I'm, I'm a little special. That yeah. way. I prefer the crown one, yeah. but that's the yeah, Bible I yeah. had at hand. Yeah. <laughs> um And so when you started using that hashtag, I was just like, she's doing better. And I'm like, and that scripture, it's my favorite of all of the scriptures in Bible. It's, it's one of my favorite. Well, actually I think it's my favorite. Um, but I just thought of that. I was just like, okay, she's using the ash thing and he will turn this, you know, into the crown. I don't know how, and you know, it's not like I had even a promise that, um, of anything right. being okay, like health-wise, I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, but I, I do know because there are many people that live with chronic disease or go through things that things never really
1: necessarily change, but they right. still find and that, joy. That and, is and, the promise. You know, you know he, he will yeah. restore the years that the locusts have eaten and he will return or exchange uh, ashes for beauty and ashes for a crown. And and that's, you know, that that's just always been my focus. So my ash heap story did not end when I recovered from my hospital stuff. So in the midst of dealing with all of that, my husband decided that he didn't want to be married to me anymore. And, um, so I fought for him. Okay. So 2017 was all medical trauma. There was stuff going on with him in the process of that, that I didn't know about. I knew that he wasn't okay. I knew our marriage wasn't okay, but I just was like, it's all hospital related. Like we need to go to counseling. Um, he didn't want to. And so I just, I had people praying and I was praying and I was like, you know, just Lord do what you got to do. He's your son. Um, heal him and, you know, bring him back to me. Um, but then in 2018, um, he told me he didn't love me anymore and I fought for him for the rest of that year. He was kind of, one foot in one foot out, sometimes both feet out, uh, that whole year. Um, and we live, we lived separate within our house that whole year. And so I'm i I'm still recovering from stuff. I'm still having surgeries while dealing with this. Um, and ultimately he left in December of 2018 and our divorce was final, uh, May of 2019. Um, so I, you know, I, had that trauma to deal with too, you know the the person who was supposed to be there for me and take care of me was gone, and one of the things that I wrote in um, one of my posts uh, from the Ash Heap thing, I, I, I described. I basically was describing the difference between us. I was saying I don't know how people without Jesus go through. And survive these kinds of things because everybody's saying, Oh, you're so amazing, whatever. And I'm like, I'm not amazing. It's God's power. It's God's strength in me. I am not strong. I do not want to do this. I want to give up. Like, I don't want to be in pain constantly. Cause it was mo- months and months of pain mm-hmm. physical. Cause I didn't know what was going on in my marriage. Um, but I was still like, Lord, you have a promise for me. And this is not the promise, which is where, you know, the, where I can learn to find joy is that, what I was living was not the promise. I knew that there was a promise coming. I knew that there was an abundant life coming. And that was where my hope was. My hope was in Jesus. And for whatever reason, my husband who was a believer did not put his hope in Jesus. And so I I, I said, you know, people who have Jesus, we know that this isn't it. People who are not trusting in Jesus think this is it. This is my life now. It's going to suck forever. And so, you know, when you, when you compare those two things, somebody who has hope and somebody who doesn't have hope, there's, unless, unless that person without hope submits themselves to Jesus, that there's, there, I don't see how there could be reconciliation. That's what I fought for. I fought for him for a really, really long time. Even after he, um, even through 2019, you know, and before the divorce was final, I was fighting for him and, um, it just, it wasn't in the cards and, I look back now and I see all that the enemy stole from me. And, you know, before all of that happened, I was a writer. I was a speaker. I was a worship leader. I had lots and lots of passion for the calling that God had in my life. And in the aftermath, I had no, I had no energy. I was tired. I was in pain. I mean, I was in pain for well over a year physically, because of all of the revision surgeries and whatever I had to do, like I was in recovery for a really long time. I'm like, and people are like, Oh, I can't wait till the day that you write this story. And I was like, I'm not writing this story. I don't want to think about this story. You know, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want Yeah. Someday God's going to do something with it. But like, it would really make me angry when people would say that because I'm like, you have no concept Mm -hmm. of what I am going through right now. Like, yes, I, I, I am fighting it out with the Lord. I am wrestling every single day and I love him but I don't have anything to give anybody. And I even like, there were people who in my life had, I had been a mentor to, and then would ask like, can we go for coffee? And I was like, no, I don't have anything to give you. I don't, I don't, I don't want to. And over the course of the next year, two years, when my marriage fell apart and everything, it was like, am I ever going to be that person again? Do I even want to be that person? Do I want to be a speaker? Do I want to be a writer? Like, I just felt like my dreams had been stolen and I didn't know if I still had those same dreams. I didn't know if God had a different plan and different dreams for me. And just in the last like six months, he has, he, well, let me say this first. In the aftermath of the divorce and everything, I've been able to look back and see God's hand and again, see the why that things happened um, or um mm-hmm. the the sh- things in my life needed to be shaken and the bible says what can be mm-hmm. shaken will be and things needed to be shaken and they were and some things shook off and god provided a rescue for me from some situations that i was that i was inadvertently in you know in my marriage and Um, even, you know, physically like God provided a way out of situations I didn't know I needed to be rescued from. And so I can look back now and honestly, I wouldn't wish it on anybody. I wouldn't want to go through it again, but I am thankful because I see what he's done now. And I feel like I am more myself now than I have been in a really long time. And so with that has come, okay, Lord, Mm. I'm still tired. I have to work three times as hard as I ever have. I don't have the energy to write. I don't have the energy to do anything. I mean, if if I actually cook a meal, a real meal in a week, it's a good week. Like it's just, it's a lot. There is a lot on my plate. And, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a single mom. It's overwhelming. But in the last six months, God has brought people into my life and brought um, ministry to my heart into my life by in some just really weird situations, really bizarre ways. Um, (laughs) and has challenged my heart. Like, you know, someone, I I was telling someone my story and he said, Oh my gosh, I just see you speaking to women and, and, you know, speaking truth in life. And I listened to him and I was like, I really want to hang up on you right now. Like, I don't think I want that anymore. Mm. I don't know if I, I don't know that I like that. That's so much effort. It's such a, it's so much work to do that. And that my life is already full of so much work, but it challenged my heart. And I started thinking, okay, Lord, you got to show me, I don't know what I want. Like right now I just want status quo. I just want to survive. But one of my favorite bands has a song called, uh, I don't remember what the song is, but the line is it's a Switchfoot song. And the line is, I want to thrive, not just survive. And that's just kind of what the Lord spoke Mm. over me and started bringing people into my life that started stirring my heart. And like, he provided opportunities to, for me to start using some of my prophetic gifting again, which I haven't done in years. And it just like stirred my heart. And so he is reawakening some of those dreams and speaking life to them and reminding me that it doesn't matter what I've been through. His plans for me have not changed and his dreams for me have not changed. And I feel like, I really feel like this year got, it, you know, it's so funny. I tell people 2020 has been an awful year for the world, but it's been the best year I've had in years. Right? <laughs> and you know it's bad when you like, <laughs> 2020's been awesome. Exactly. And people are like, I said that to someone and she looked at me and said, yeah. said no one ever. <laughs> I'm like, but it's true. I really Mm -hmm. believe that God is starting to repay those years that the locust stole and that I have beauty for ashes. I have a crown again. I feel more like myself than I have in a really long time. And it's fun. It's awesome. And I love it. And I'm just, I'm just so thankful because for whatever reason, I'm not putting blame on anybody, but for whatever reason, I haven't been free and I haven't had I haven't had the desire and, you know, yes, there's time of healing and, and processing whatever. But even before that, even before that, there was, there was something hindering me and hindering what I would call my Juliness. you know, who I really am. I didn't know, you know, and everybody goes through this after a divorce, you don't know who you are, but really I was like, I haven't known who I am for a really long time. I haven't gotten to be myself for a really long time. And I'm finally discovering who I am again. And it's, it's really fun. And I'm, I'm just, I'm in a really good place in my life and I'm really happy and I'm excited to see where God takes things. Um, and I'm just so thankful for his faithfulness. And I'm thankful for the trauma because it's brought me to this place and I wouldn't be here without it. So, you know,
0: um, and amen. I mean, it's, it's been beautiful too see, you know, God working in your life, you know, as you were talking about, you don't want to write and you don't want to sing and, or, um, yeah. and, you know, or the effort. Um, I think, I hope I'm not making this up, but for some reason I have this, you know, memory of you probably posting something on Facebook about the first time you sang after all this <laughs> and how, you know, you I, were, I think you read, were a bit out of breath and whatnot, yeah, but it was just good to be song. able to sing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh, did you? Okay, yeah. so I'm not making it up. Good. I'm like, I think it was her, because <laughs> this is, you know, it was a couple of years ago. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> sometimes my memory may
1: not be so. Um, so, can you talk about that? Yeah. That so that was experience. that was the first and unfortunately last time that I have led worship or sang on the worship team. And um, that's different different story. Um. But yeah, it was a year. It was exactly a year from the the t- the last time that I had sang because of all the stuff with my mom and having to go to Canada so much and whatnot. Um, and it was to just to know I could do it because the breathing thing was a really, I still have pain some days when I breathe, I still have pain. And if it's like a a crappy day, you know, it's almost like the whole arthritis thing. If it's a crappy day, like my lungs hurt when I wake up in the morning, that still happens. That, that mm. is probably, there's a couple other lingering things, but that is one of the main lingering things that I notice. Um, and so I didn't know if I was going to be in pain afterwards, um, you know, because singing is all about breathing. And um, yeah, it was, it, it was, it was a really healing moment for me to be able to do it and to, st- you know, st- and post about it, stand on that stage, and post about it and and say. I did it. Like I'm here. I'm still here. I am, I survived this and I can still do this. And then, you know, unfortunately in the midst of that, you know, marriage was going on and whatever. Um, but so there was more trauma added and more healing time needed, but I really, I really, really miss singing. And it's something right now that I just feel like the Lord has said, let's just, let's just put it aside right now. Um, as far as like leading worship and stuff, you know, what's fun is there's a, um, a tavern here in town that some people from our church own and they do an open mic night every Sunday night. And I could totally get up and sing anytime. And I want to, but I'm, I'm just not there yet. But like, what's awesome about my, my gift for music is that I can glorify God with it without having to be on a church stage, worshiping him, you know, like I'm just, just by using Mm -hmm. my voice, I'm giving him glory. So Anyways.
0: Yeah, I, I, that was a, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, that was a beautiful it was It was for a lot of people. <laughs> you know, I, I've, been, I've been stalking yeah, you a bit. Yeah, you know, friends. Distance. I don't always, you know, communi- communicate yeah. what, you know, what I've been
1: observing, but I, I, I see things and, yeah. I, and I give a little, yeah, smile well, and, even, and oh, you know, go keep ahead, going. Then.
0: But I, I do want. Even for okay, my husband at the no.
1: time and he was, you know, dealing with what he was involved in. It was a, it was a healing moment for him too, even though, you know, whatever was going on. Um, I went and sat down beside him and he just mm-hmm. cried. He was like, it was, I'm just so thankful that you're, that you're able to do that again. So it was, it was, a you know, there was a lot of people watching the story. I have a, I have, you know, the, <laughs> the way we met through that whole Facebook group, there was a lot of people, a lot of people watching my story and a mm-hmm. lot of people, you know, there was a, a lot of people whose faith was built And their relationship with Jesus was positively impacted by what happened to me. And that's like the greatest testimony of all. And that has nothing to do with me. Not a, not a dang thing. That's all about God. And then there were some people whose relationships with God really suffered. And, and, you know, I I hope Mm. that those people have, have come around again. But anyway,
0: Yeah. I was going to ask because You mentioned about, you know, people wanting to get together with you and, you know, have a cup of coffee yeah. and you're just like, I just don't have any energy. Um, can we talk a bit about relationships during like hard times or sickness? And I, um, I mean, I know we're all different, but you know, what would you um, advise um, yeah. people, you know, how to be friends in, in times when maybe people don't want to get together and, you know, how to address that. Um, how yeah. much to push. Cause sometimes we need a little push, you know, but sometimes yeah. it pushing yeah, is the worst really thing you important.
1: can do, you know? Um, so, and I've got a couple of thoughts on that. The first thing that comes to mm-hmm. mind is don't ask what you can do. Just do something. Don't call and say, how can I help? Because for me, I had no idea. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what I need. I don't have the energy to try to sit here and think what you can do for me. And that might sound a little bit bitter, but like, honestly, I was so tired and I'm I'm like, and I feel bad. I'm like, I don't want you to have to, you don't have to do anything for me, but people in order to ease their own pain, they want to bring comfort. And that's wonderful and beautiful, but don't, don't ask, just do it. Go mow the lawn, just show up, show up with lunch, show up with dinner, show up with coffee, whatever, Just, just don't ask, just do. And and it, I promise it will be appreciated mm. because the person didn't have to expel any effort in order to tell you what to do for them. Like, it just puts us in an awkward position. And if you're in a position where I was at, I, I mean, I could, I could barely function. I could bar- I had to basically learn how to walk again and because I'd been in a hospital bed for so long and I had no strength. Um, so don't ask, just do. The other thing is that, and I still find myself doing this. Um, which is funny because I've been so adamant with people who've done it with me. I- I've got my own trauma going on in my life. You have your trauma going on in your life. It is unnecessary for you to say, but what I'm going through is not nearly as bad as what you went through. You, that to me, I was like, "I that is mm. not how I see things. I'm suffering and you're suffering. Our suffering does not have to match the, what. what matters is, You're suffering and I care about you. I don't care that you didn't almost die. I don't care that it's just that your dog died. That's huge trauma. I've experienced that too. Or that your family is having issues or whatever. Like, it doesn't matter what happened to me. What happened to you is as equally important to me as what happened to me. Now, if you're going to call me and complain that like your fake nail fell off, maybe I'm not going to be very sympathetic about that. (laughs) Or that your right. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Is, you know, they put caramel instead <laughs> of mocha, you know, whatever. Like, I'm, ta- I'm talking like real life yeah, stuff. Yeah. You know, if, if you're hurting, I care. Mm-hmm. And most good people will say the same thing. It does not matter the difference in our pain. Pain is relevant and pain matters.
0: Yeah. What is it about us trying to like put tears of pain... Yeah, I- and and comparing that way, like I, I I've never understood. You know me. I have right. many pet peeves about what yeah. people say. <laughs> <which> <laughs> I try not to talk about it much because whenever I do, I just don't. speak. Yeah. my tone yeah. is not very gracious. It's I'm very annoyed by it, so I try not to. But that's just one thing. It's just like why do we have to preface my. This nut baby is whatever so, is yours.
1: I'm like, well, why do we do so that? I, I, found like, my, I just I found myself doing that. This <laughs> I don't last, uh, in the last mm-hmm. week, couple of weeks because I have a friend who is who is who's really sick and in a lot of pain. Okay, so and go ahead. I sprained mm-hmm. my ankle three weeks ago, and so I was talking to my friend, and he's he's telling me all the stuff that he's going through. He's, I mean, he's in a similar similar place where I was three in 2017. They don't know what's wrong with him. He's struggling. He's just in so much, so mm-hmm. much pain. And I was like, yeah, I sprained my ankle and it hurts really bad. And then I said, obviously it's not as bad as the pain that you're in. And then immediately I was like, why did I just do that? But it's like, I don't want him to think that I'm belittling what he's experiencing. I don't want him to think that I'm focusing on my own pain, but I'm not. when that's happened with me, on the flip side, I don't think that about that person. I don't think that they're trying to dramatize their pain to a place that's more than mine. You know, I just, it, it, it's, these, it's these ideals that we have in our head. Like we have to, um, oh, I can't think of the right word, but we have to like make up for the fact that we think we are anticipating what they're thinking. And we th- like, okay, so for me, me saying I sprained my ankle, but you're like you might be dying. Me saying I sprained my ankle makes I, I'm thinking that your response is going to be, "Why are you telling me you sprained your ankle? I'm dying." Yeah, but that's so you're not... controlling controlling the situation. Yeah, and 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 yeah. you know projecting projecting onto them what they're thinking, which most most good people are not thinking that. So. If that makes yeah, sense. That, that
0: makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So what's, I, I do want to ask you a question okay. um, about not getting, cause you said, you know, people wanted to get together the coffee and you're like, I can't give you that. Um, what, what would have been, hmm, how do I want to ask this question? Cause I'm thinking of, so you didn't have anything to give, obviously you know, right. you're, you're tired, you're, you know, recuperating or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, would there have been anything that anybody could say to allow for, for you to allow them to, to serve you? Um, and, and like, there was nothing for you to give just for company, um, or was just that not encouraging? Like, what, what is it about that? I guess I just, I'm trying to, um, make it clear to some people that even though you want to give, in certain ways, if mm-hmm. the person doesn't receive it as a blessing, then, you know, what can you do instead? Right. Or maybe, did you think of it? Maybe I should have allowed that person to bless me with their company and just be there for me. Like, you know, it's a tr- It's very tricky because we're so different. Well, like, it's it, not it, a formula. You know? It
1: depends on the relationship too. Mm. Um, this, this was a situation where, um, I had, you know, in a, in a loose sense, I had been, someone who spoke truth into this person's life. And I, I did not understand. I think I probably, and I, I mean, and she and I have talked about it since then and I've apologized. Um, but I, I think I may have misunderstood what she was looking for in -hmm. that moment. She may have just wanted to spend time with me. Um, but even, even that, because you know, we weren't, I, I was, I had made my circle very, very small when all of this happened and what, especially when the divorce happened. I mean, I, I pared down my friends list on Facebook. I was like, especially when the divorce happened, because I was afraid that I was going to say something stupid. Um, and so I even got, I got off Facebook for a while, I think. And I, and then when I came back, I just made my circle very, very small. And I was like, I don't want, I don't want to invite any more people into this circle than are already there because it's already too much for me. It's already too overwhelming that this many people have access to my life. Mm. Um, And so just in that moment for me, because um, our relationship was not necessarily, we didn't talk all the time. We weren't best friends or anything. It was just like, I don't, I don't have the space for you right now. And and that I'm, you know, that that was uh, was hurt, probably hurtful for her. And so, and you know, months later, I went back because I pr- I thought about it for months, and I was like, I didn't handle that well, and I feel bad. And and we talked, and it's fine. Um, but again, I was in trauma; I wasn't handling anything well. Um, but as far as relationships, you know, if if it's if it's somebody that you're not super close with, and and, and you feel you are having these feelings like, I want to do something. I want to do something. I want to be there. Like you, you have to kind of read the room. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, and, and I've, I've had to do that in a situation in my life recently too, with, with someone who I'm not super close with. Um, but, but that I interact with, you know, somewhat regularly. She has, she has other people, She, I mean, like if something's going on in her life, I'm not the person she's going to call. But I really felt the need to like just make sure she knew that I was available to her for whatever she needed, even though I know. And I said, I know you have other people and that we're not like best friends, but I feel the need and I'm feeling led to tell you that I'm here if you need me. And, and you know, what's funny when I was in the hospital, there was a girl who came who I hadn't spoken to in years Um, and not, I mean, we, we were never super close. She was on staff at a church that, uh, my husband at the time was on staff at. And so I knew her and we, you know, hung out sometimes, but we were never like best friends or anything, but she, and I don't remember how it happened that she ended up at the hospital. I have no memory of that, but I do know that she had been through some serious medical trauma and she wanted to be there. So at one point, like at one point I'm lucid and she's there. And again, we hadn't spoken in years. I, I began requesting her like, cause someone would come stay with me every night. And I was like, Mm -hmm. because I I just didn't want to be alone. And I was like, I want, I want her to come. Can she Mm -hmm. come? Because she was such a calming, peaceful presence. And she knew because she had been through not something similar, but different serious medical, I mean, she did, she almost died in childbirth. And so she knew how to, she knew exactly what to do and what not to do. And she, and I was like, when she's here, I feel okay. And, Mm. and she, she would just sit and read. She didn't, I didn't need to entertain her. I could sleep, I could do whatever. And, and we're, we're good friends now, but still we don't talk regularly. And so it's, it, it just depends on the situation. It depends on your relationship, um, If you're, if you're a really close friend, then you, you drop everything and you show up and you just do something without asking.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you say that because, um, in 2015, when I had my ectopic pregnancy and Mm -hmm. and it bursted and I had to have emergency surgery, when I woke up from that, um, they have the hospital chaplain, I guess, um, is what probably what her title was. And so I wake up, I'm in this little bed and there's this woman at my feet sitting there. And I woke up and as soon as my eyes opened, I, I sobbed, yeah. I was sobbing and sobbing yeah. and sobbing. And, um, and then she started crying and I remember sitting there thinking, Ugh. and it was just so discouraging hmm. because I couldn't feel like I could just mourn and feel because it immediately, and I know she probably was being empathetic, Yeah, <laughs> but I felt like I had to take care of her, her emotional needs oh, at that point. yeah. That makes a
1: lot of sense. It was horrible. Yeah
0: horrible. And, um, and so I don't, you know, I like to, for me, if I were in a situation like that, whatever, if I feel somebody being too empathetic, I don't feel like I can just yeah. Do my thing. Yeah. And so I, when you said that, it's like, oh, I imagine maybe she knew, you know, what to do, not to do so that you wouldn't feel like you had to Take care of this person's feelings around what you're feeling. Exactly. They were actually there for you. Yeah. And that makes such a huge difference. Yeah. Such a huge difference. There's nothing worse than somebody coming in and treating you with, I know it's concern, but it comes off as pity. Mm-hmm. And it's just so discouraging. Yeah. <laughs> it's so discouraging. Yeah. Um, is that
1: accurate? I don't absolutely. Know. I just thought of yeah, that. Yeah,
0: absolutely. When, when you were talking.
1: Yeah. And nobody, like from what I can remember, nobody came in and required that of me but people came mm-hmm. and they were like I just I just don't know what to do I don't like what what do yeah. you want me to do and I'm like I don't know yes please stop asking <laughs> and, and then or like there's there were moments where they would come push meds and man some of those meds are good um <laughs> <laughs> but it goes like they push it into your vein and it goes straight to your heart and it's this intense pressure and like I needed someone to hold my hand every time they pushed that drug and I was, because it was so intense. Like it felt like my chest was going to burst open. And so like there were times, you know, one of my friends specifically, I remember, um, she would, you know, she would do, she would, you know, arrange things. She, she was very helpful. She was, she's one of my closest friends. Um, she didn't bother me at all, but like she was, she made sure she was being helpful without putting pressure on me. And then when the nurse would come in, I'd be like, okay, please come hold my hand. And so she'd just sit there and hold my hand. And it was like that, that was what I needed her to do. And so sometimes it's just, being, you know, being available, making yourself available, um, because, like, there could be a time during the day. Like, I mean, I was, I was bedridden for months. Um, not, yeah, for a couple months. I was, I lived in a lounge chair. And, um, you know, I'm sitting at home, and it's, you know, maybe 1:30 in the, in the afternoon. Maybe at 11:30, someone texts and says, "Is there anything I can do for you?" Well, at 30, i I'm like, I'm really hungry, and I'm too tired to get up and get food, and. There's nobody here to get it for me. What am I going to call somebody who lives 10 or 15 minutes away to come bring, go get food out of my fridge? No, I'm going to suck it up and I'm going to go get it. But if you make yourself available, like if you just show up and you're like, I'm here, I'm not going to leave. I don't care. You can sleep. I'll bring a book, whatever, but I'm going to be here. Even those tiny little things like, okay, you know what? Like I'm, I'm can you brush my hair? Because I d- can't raise my arms. You know, like I just, my mm. hair is bugging me right now. Can you brush it? Can you put it in a ponytail? Because I'm going to scream if it touches my neck one more time. You know, it's little things like that that mean so much. And you know what's funny? <laughs> is the, the, I'm going to revert back to the picture that you, that you mentioned where I asked if it was the braids. Yeah. <laughs> my sister did that. She put my hair in braids. I don't remember it. But I look at that picture and I'm like, why the heck did you do that? She's like, she goes, Well, my daughter won't let me put braids in her hair, and so I just did it for you. And I'm like, like, I know. I'm like, I look terrible. Who took this picture and who posted it? Like, this is a horrible picture. And but you know, it's funny, our other mutual friend Tracy was like, it was so good. She's like, I know you hated that picture, but it was so good just to see your face and see you alive, even though you were Mm. you looked awful to see your face and see you alive. I'm like, well, they could have just, I mean, take the braids out. I mean, I looked like Pippi Longstocking. It was terrible. <laughs> I was mortified. Well, we can talk about that too. Your hair. Oh like, my God. love Your hair. Yes. And so what happened to your yeah. hair? So one of the, <laughs> more, more trauma. <sighs> yes. One of the side effects of every individual thing that I experienced was hair loss. So sepsis, anesthesia, infection, surgery. Each one of those individual things has a side effect of hair loss. Well, I was in the hospital for a month. I had plenty of anesthesia. Oh, and also I had, I had issues eating. They had, I had a feeding tube for a very long time. I couldn't eat. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm sure you did. You probably just forgot because I posted, I, oh, when okay. I was finally posting on Facebook about it, um, while I was in the hospital and more lucid, I had it in and I remember I did a live video Um, and I had the feeding tube in and like, I couldn't, it, it just discombobulated everything. And like my nose started running and like literally dripped this huge thing of snot in the middle of, in the (laughs) middle of my live video. And I was like, I died. I was like, Oh my gosh, you guys, I'm so sorry. That's so embarrassing. But people thought it was hysterical. So I don't remember this, but that was funny. Okay, go ahead for a couple months. And so I was a couple months, a couple weeks. And so I Mm -hmm. couldn't, and they would, oh gosh, they would come in and yell at me about eating all the time. I mean, it's amazing that I didn't get an eating disorder seriously, because every single day, every meal, they're like, what did you order for lunch? I'm like, I didn't order lunch. I'm not hungry. And they'd get mad at me. And I had to eat a certain amount. It got to the point where I was ready to go home, but they wouldn't let me eat go until I was, I, I, my blood levels reached a certain, it was I think called albumin. And, Mm -hmm. um, in order to do that, I had to eat. And so once they finally took the feeding tube out, I, w- I was like, I can eat. I can swallow. I'm hungry. Like, oh my gosh, your feeding tube was destroying me. But but they yeah. put it in because I wasn't eating. Um, mm-hmm. But so not eating also causes you to lose hair. So I lost, I'm going to say at least half my hair. Um, and it came out in, like, I would just run my fingers through my hair and pull out, not clumps, but just bolt like, okay, clumps of strands. Like it wasn't like a cancer patient yeah. pulling out a huge tuft, but I mean, and and I would take the hair and I would like line it up on my finger and take pictures of it. So I could see how much hair I was losing every day. And I mean, I did this like three or four times a day. It was a ton of hair. And so I had to cut my, I start, I did it gradually cut my hair, you know, I did a bob and then I did like a, a short pick, not pixie, but like a shorter like right kind of around my ears. And then I went pixie because I had lost so much hair. I mean, it it was stringy, it was gross. And so that has been a three year process of growing my hair back. And I had to keep it short for a while until the new growth started coming in. Um, And now it is, it is healthy. It is past my shoulders. Um, People, people comment on my hair. All the time. It's really funny. Like I went to go pick up my Walmart grocery order the other day and the girl walks up to my car. I had taken a shower and my hair was dry. That was it. Like I hadn't done anything with it. And she walked up and goes, oh my gosh, I love your hair. And I was like, it's, 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 yeah. I'm like, thank you. It's just black hair. I mean, I've literally done nothing with it, but thank you. But it's such a, it's such a testimony, you know, like it was such a big deal. I was mortified. I wore, I wore, I wore bandanas and, and hats. Like I was a cancer patient because I was so embarrassed about how little hair I had. And it's, it's, it's just funny. My hair is so healthy now. And it's, it, it's just funny that that's the thing that people commented on. And it's been the bane of my existence for the last four years. You know, it's. It's crazy. But yeah, Yeah. it, that was a very unexpected side effect to everything. And it really messed with me. I felt like I looked like a boy because it was so short and I was really heavy. Um, a colostomy diet. I mean, I've struggled with my weight my whole life, but a colostomy diet, it's all, it's kind of a wonderful break from reality because it's all of the things that you're never supposed to eat. Full (laughs) fat, everything. White bread. You're not allowed to eat whole wheat bread. You're not allowed to eat raw vegetables. You're not allowed to eat stuff that's good for you. And so naturally, I mean, I lost a ton of weight in the hospital, naturally gained it all back. And then some, because of this, I was like, oh my gosh, I've never had a white bread sandwich with ham and cheese. This is the best thing ever. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I don't think I've eaten white bread since I was eight years old. This is amazing. So, um, it, yeah, so the colostomy diet, all of that, but it – I don't remember why I went there. What was I talking about? Hair. Well, yeah. just hair loss,
0: and I I'm not quite sure either. <laughs> it's but just a freebie. Just weight loss gain, yes. Yeah.
1: Oh, because I looked like a bo- – so, I felt like I looked uh-huh. like a boy, and I was oh, heavy. So I didn't yes. go out of the house without full makeup and huge earrings, and thus began my obsession with massive earrings. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So cute. Oh my gosh. And here I know. Oh my gosh. Um, So in in having experienced that mm -hmm. season of uh, just, you know, the brink of death, what would you, what would be some words that you could offer to people? I mean, and it doesn't have to be, um, you know, necessarily from, being sick or whatnot, um, because we all go through seasons and we've already covered the fact that just because, you know, some seasons are different to other people, it doesn't diminish what you're going through in the pain. Um, uh, what, what would you advise, um, someone going through a season of, um, of just a hard Mm -hmm. time and, and,
1: and how to hold on spiritually? (sighs) Yeah, I'm big into music. Songs are really important to me. And so I, you know, it, whatever your, okay, whatever your main communication pathway is with God, whatever stirs your heart the most, whether it's being out in nature, creation, um, whether it's being with other people, you know, wherever you connect with God in the most intense way, press into that. So for me, it was music and worship. And I've got, a bunch of different songs that mean so much to me, and when I listen to those songs, I remember hearing them for the first time, and I remember what God spoke and what God did. And so that, like, if you don't know what that is, figure it out. Figure out the way that you connect with the Lord the most intensely, where you feel Him His presence the most, and press into that. Um, surround yourself with people who are gonna. Allow you to be in an ash heap that are going to speak truth, as opposed to Job's friends and Job's wife, who d- didn't. Who, mm, who yeah. his wife said, "Give up and die, curse God and die." Um, mm-hmm. Surround yourself with people who will allow you to be in that in that ash heap, and will sit there with you, but will speak life and truth, and will remind you of who God is and God's promises, even when you're like, "I don't want to hear it." They'll say, I know you don't, but it still remains true. Um, yeah. Tell, tell God everything. Be honest. He, he already knows what's going on in your heart, but when you verbalize it with him, as opposed to trying to hide it, which is useless, but when you verbalize it with him, you invite him into that moment and you invite him into your pain and that's when he can start to work. That's when he can, he can reveal himself um and it, it's it's hard you know like i mean i have i have cussed at god i have said words to god that should make me lose my salvation
0: <laughs> he's
1: and, and, and yet, yet he has not exa- struck exa- you exactly with and lightning. he's only he's only blessed me he's only provided for me because even in those moments i'm like i think i hate you right now i know that's not true but that's what i feel but I'm still here and I'm still battling this out with you. Like I was reminded of so many times of Jacob wrestling with God. I'm like, that is what I am doing. I want to beat you to pieces right now, but I know that that's not really what's going on. You know, it's, you have to have this unwavering belief that God loves you no matter what you throw at him, because that's what he says. That's what he promises. That's what the Bible says. He loves you no matter what, and he will never walk away. And if you can cling to that and still be honest with him about what you're feeling and where you're at, he can come in and bring peace. He can come in and speak words of life. He can say, I know you don't want to talk to me, but I'm still going to sit here with you. I'm still, I'm still here.
0: I a, <laughs>
1: you know, it's, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Well, when you, in the very beginning, when you said to, to connect with things that generally yeah. bring you life and, you know, in good times, um, I had this thought of, and this was through counseling. My counselor asked me a question and I really don't remember exact question, but it had to do with when I went to Guatemala, when I had my little mental mm-hmm. breakdown, I say little, I don't know why, I guess, because I'm thinking and comparing to, you know, I never really ended up on meds or or hospitalized or whatever, you know, so I guess I'm comparing that contrast, um, not because it wasn't horrible and really bad because it was so out of context. I mean, I literally would just cry every day. I was like, wow, this is Mm -hmm. what having depression is. This is bad, you know, and now I'm more empathetic to people that Mm -hmm. can barely function. Um, but, um, he asked me, you know, what it was about Guatemala that, you know, why do I love going there. And, you know, what was good about being there for those three months, aside from the fact that, you know, my heart is with, uh, you know, the, the kids there and, and helping to, um, help come to fruition that the fact that for like 10 years, there had been a, uh, actually more, I've just been on the scene for 10 years, but building a, a opening, yeah. a school, uh, bilingual school for girls. Um, but for me, I mean, I love music and all, but like I said, it's like not your music and, and whatnot, it's not my, yeah. not, not in that way with God. Um, but the weather there's always nice and I'm an outdoor, like you yeah. give me nature, you give me even people yeah. like that's my thing. And so even though I didn't have much to give because I myself mm-hmm. needed to be fed, um, being around nature, being around the people and just um, even being alone, I'm, I'm a, a, like extrovert galore. Like I'm really extroverted. But those three months, I did not want to be around people. I didn't mind being mm-hmm. in the house alone. And when I did, I would just go into town. And sometimes I would find this little group of old men that, you know, uh, welcomed mm-hmm. me in their little club. And they would chit chat about politics mm-hmm. and whatever, you know, and life there in Guatemala. Um, so whenever I would feel kind of lonely, I would go in and, you know, sit with them and chit chat. But I even them could only take so much. And then I just walked my little behind right back to the house. Um, But, you know, that was very healing. So I understand what you're saying of finding Mm -hmm. what gives you life and where you can encounter Jesus. Because I remember figuring out, you know what, I'm Mm -hmm. here because I'm mad at you because you haven't fixed some things that I've, you know, Mm -hmm. begging you to fix and change. Um, And then I started viewing Jesus in in a way that I knew was not true. Or I realized that I had not, not that I was starting to, I already had, and going back and you know, just I remember having a moment. And what I recorded this in the podcast when you know, through that journey, but I remember having a moment of Jesus, Mm -hmm. you're in the people, like in the people right now. Like, I see you the people that are need, that are humble, that give, even though they don't have. Like, that's just where I find you. And I have to, I have to find myself. I would, I want to say this for me to, to be connected. I have to be Mm -hmm. in in nature, outside heat, (laughs) beach, whatever. But there is a component of, for me, Jesus Mm -hmm. is in people. And I need to make sure that I'm constantly surrounded by people that even though I may be serving them and being the hands and feet because they need economically, I'm not, I get more than what I give. And I need that connection of, to remind me that he is in these people. There's something about people in poverty and the humility and the joy that they have, even though they have nothing and mm-hmm. how generous they are, that keeps me yeah. ever so humble. That's um, good. And so I, I always need to be able to, to keep that in mind whenever I start feeling mm-hmm. disconnected. I'm like, I need to serve. Like my thing is definitely yeah. service. Um, so when you said that, I'm like, yeah, there is something about finding Mm -hmm. your thing where you feel connected, um, to, to, to Jesus. And, um, so I, I totally get that. I just wanted to add that in there. Well, girlfriend, um, I wrap up with two questions and I know that, you know, you had mentioned, um, that right now you're, you know, just living life and, and life is overwhelming, but I'm not sure if there was anything that you feel like you are doing right now and, um, you know, being salt in your neck of, a, of the woods that you wanted yeah, to Yeah. So this share? is
1: kind of crazy. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll try not to, to offend people who don't share the same viewpoint as me, but um, as with all of this COVID stuff has been going on um, and school, the mm-hmm. issue of school starting, whether in person or not, I am, I'm a firm believer that our kids need to be in school, um, and so mm-hmm. I. Ended, there were other groups on Facebook that had started to try, like we're going to start rallying and petitioning to get our because originally our district, originally our district was set, had said yes, you can have the choice, you can either do per, in person or remote, and then the health department came in and kind of usurped that and said no, we're doing, we're doing remote only until whenever, and then the attorney general said, guess what, health department, you don't have that right. So we're, the district gets to decide. And so we were rallying and petitioning and like, you know, going after our board to say, let our kids, let us have the choice. I mean, if, if you don't feel safe Mm -hmm. being in person, awesome, make the choice to stay home. I feel safe. My kids personally, for reasons I don't need to discuss they need to be in person yes. and there are a lot of other reasons why kids need to, certain kids need to be in person. And so I inadvertently mm-hmm. became the leader of a group of over a thousand people in our school district fighting for the right to choose what what options that we could do for our our kids for school. And what came out of that yeah. is – some really important relationships with individual school board members, um, and then we also we started a like spin off group um, for prayer for our school district because it was a really, really heated, heated, painful thing there are There are some people on the opposite side of my perspective that are very, very angry yeah. and have have been really, really shady in the way that they have um, fought for their right to not have to go back to work or no let me rephrase that mm-hmm. not have to go back to in-person teaching and not have anybody mm-hmm. go back to in-person. Um, I, I miss, misspoke when I said not, not to go back to work. That is not at all yeah. what I meant. Um, just in case any, yeah. anyone listens and hears that and says this person, <laughs> Julie is a horrible person. Um, So we have a, we have a prayer group. We meet, um, online twice a month. Um, we have done prayer walks at the school before school started. Uh, we pray during our board meeting, our school board meetings. Um, and I just, I feel like the, I feel like the, this is an area where the Lord is, is saying, this is part of what I have for you. I feel like I have a, a spiritual assignment in our school district, um, to just be a light and a voice and pray. And so before I sprained my ankle a couple of weeks ago, um, my dog and I would walk regularly and we walk through in our neighborhood. There are two schools, uh, intermediate and a middle school right across the street from each other. So every morning when we would walk, as we got to the school property, I would just start praying and prayer walk. And um, through that felt led to start a group of, of parents and teachers and community members who are going to commit to pray for our community or our school district. So It's pretty cool. Um, It has quieted down quite a bit now that school is in session and we do have the choice whether to be in person or remote. Um, So now that kind of activist group is more of a a forum for parents whose kids are in person and dealing with, okay, there's a COVID case. And so now our kids are quarantined because they've had close contact. And what does that mean? And masks and all of that. So um, moderating that and trying to show and, uh, be an example of how to respond with the love of Jesus to pe- to pe- to people who mm, don't know yes. Jesus <laughs> and to encourage people to respond with a level head and not lash out and not, I mean, I mean, even there are even people in our group who are upset with the school board about certain things, even though the school board voted in our favor, there are other issues at stake. And so trying to remind people, look, these, these people are humans. We are humans. Um, we don't need to act like toddlers and preteens and fight about this. Like we can, we can make our, our opinions heard without being cruel. And, you know, just trying to be an example of what godly response looks like. And it's challenging because sometimes I want to get mad and sometimes I want to get mad at these people. (laughs) I mean, when anybody, any group of people gets together and they disagree, it's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun time. So So that, that's really been my kind of ministry outlet lately. And I don't know where that's going to go from here since it has quieted down quite a bit, but I'm just open and I'm happy to, I'm very happy to be a support to our school board. Most of them are believers and, um, it's, it's just, it's, it's awesome to be a part of that and, and for them to know that I'm a liaison to, you know, a large group of people and that a smaller group of that large group are committed to praying for them in our district regularly. So,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's beautiful. I'm glad you found that. You yeah. It's crazy. It's, I ever I have people. imagined
1: getting involved with cause I don't have a political bone in my body, but it's been, it's been pretty cool. So, yeah.
0: And we wrap up with, if you were a spice, oh, what would it be and how you bring that to the table?
1: Ever since you started this podcast, I've been like, I need, I'm going to have to answer this question someday. And I have, so how, two years you've had it. So for two years, I've been thinking about this, the answer to this question. <laughs> oh I'm my dying. gosh. So can I just go through my process? Okay. So sure, <laughs> I was going to say cinnamon because it's one of my favorite spices, um, and because I'm, it can be sweet, but it can also be spicy. And I feel, I feel like I can mm-hmm. be sweet and spicy sometimes. I don't know that anybody else in the world thinks that I can be spicy. You, pr- you probably would n- answer that more honestly than anybody else. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. But so I ran it, I ran it by some people. And then the, the other one, just because it is my all time favorite spice was smoked paprika. But I was like, that doesn't, that doesn't really describe me at all. Mm-hmm. And so I asked a couple of friends and I do have my own answer, but one friend said, I would actually say salt because you bring flavor to every situation that you're in. I'm like, oh, that was really sweet. And then another friend said mint because I'm refreshing. And she also said rosemary, but I don't know why she said rosemary. And then today I was sitting here literally this morning. I'm like, I've got to pick one. I've got like, I can't, obviously I can't take somebody else's perspective. I have to decide for myself. And I sat there and I, ma- I made a whole huge batch of soup this week for my friend who's been really sick. Um, like two giant pots of soup. And every time I make soup, I put in bay leaves and I have, I don't know why, I do it because my mom did it. And I have looked at bay leaves before to figure out like, why do we do this? And they're very rich in vitamins and everything. But, and I, I couldn't remember exactly what I had read before about bay leaves. But this morning I looked it up and this is, this is what I identify with. And it says, when the herb is infused into water, broth, or another cooking liquid, an almost minty flavor somewhere between spearmint and menthol develops with subtle hints of black pepper and Christmas tree pine. They add a subtle bitterness that keeps heavy soups and stews from being so heavy. Are you going to be able to pick that flavor out of all of the other complex flavors present in a bite of beef stew? Probably not. But would you miss it if it wasn't there? Yes. So I read that and I was like, I think that's me because it has little bits of everything that people have said. And what I feel like the black pepper is a little spicy Christmas tree pine. I love that because Christmas is my favorite season and I love the smell of a Christmas tree. And then when it says it adds a bit, excuse me, a subtle bitterness that keeps heavy soups from being so heavy. I don't like the word bitter, but what it spoke to me, I, I, I saw like a, the little grain of sand that gets in a clam and creates Mm -hmm. a pearl. And I, I feel Mm -hmm. like I bring, I can bring that to a person's life where I challenge people and I don't, I don't let them sit in a place that isn't healthy. I challenge where they're at. And so for me, it's like it, it could come across a little bitter, but it makes things not so heavy. And I just, I like that, and I feel like that really describes me.
0: Yes, that is beautiful. Because if you would have gone with cinnamon, I'm like, yeah, you are kind of spicy. Yeah, but that is so. more accurate. Um, because you are very calming, and you know, uh, I'm glad yeah. I can speak to this because I've met you in person. Um, but um, we cook with bay leaf in Puerto Rico. Not it's usually in um, mm-hmm. in soups um especially um what we call fricasse, which is a mm-hmm. sort of a stew gumbo kind of thing um and um yeah it's true you put it in there it's not like you're right. like oh yeah. i taste the bay leaf <laughs> actually it, you exactly. really don't want to have that in your mouth um but it is yeah. very very essential to it in there you would miss it if it's not in there cuz it yeah. does bring something very specific and um so yes most definitely i would say that that is accurate of you yeah. Um, yeah, I've seen both sides of you. Yes, I have.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good at I'm not gooding at, hi- at good at hiding myself. <laughs> what you see is what you get. I am all out. I'm all out there. I put it all out there. Yes.
0: Yeah. Which is great. I prefer that than people that aren't. Those are the ones that I'm just kind of like. Mm. Right. I don't know what's going on here, but I don't like it. <laughs> you tricksy people. But. Um... <laughs> <laughs> or iffy yeah like I say it's like mm, the person kind of iffy um but yes i would say that you could go with the bay leaf and that would be Thanks. very much accurate for sure You're Well welcome. Julie, it was thank a you pleasure. so much for coming on and sharing your story yeah. of the season you were in and um yeah, hopefully I'll head to Texas one day. I mean, there's a lot of these online folks in, in Texas. I have to start like from <laughs> yeah. east to west or vice versa and take like a month to go right? through because, you know, it takes like three weeks to go yeah, through Texas. You guys true. are big down there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, well. But i will have to be when it's not too hot and definitely not cold because yeah. I don't visit. right I'm now, like visiting places when now. they're cold. So, uh, so I'll have to put that either in the... Yeah, in the spring or the or the fall yeah, exactly. to go, and then it's normal weather for me. <laughs> oh, all right, darling, you have a great You're welcome. day. Welcome, thanks, thanks for so having me. For coming on, yeah, absolutely. And I will
1: see you around. Bye.